Hey everybody, welcome back to the Phantom Power Business Hour. Today is Monday the 19th. We're a little late getting this one out. I would have loved to have had it out in the morning, but I was flying back from Phoenix and uh, I'm back in Nashville. It's Monday afternoon. I'll have this one up this afternoon. Um, I was out at Culture Shock in Phoenix over the weekend uh, down at Sam Means place and I just I cannot say enough wonderful things about the experience that I had this weekend I want to thank uh, Quiet Warrior Santos Eric uh, Heather Larson Heidi um, Arkanox Santoshi just everybody that I met down there it was such an amazing event talking about Noster, talking about Bitcoin, talking about music, uh, getting a chance to see Sarah Jade perform, uh, meeting her, meeting her husband. Um, it, it was a small crew, but man, it was mighty. And it is such a great indication of where this entire movement is going. And um, I learned a lot, uh, made some new friends, stuffed my face with some amazing Mexican food. Uh, especially from Heidi, thank you very much, uh, as well as In-N-Out Burger. So uh, rather content uh, being back here in Nashville now uh, and ready to get back to work. What you're about to hear is a conversation that I had uh, yesterday morning, Sunday morning, with uh, Sam Means from Wave Lake and Open Mike from First Avenue. As you guys know, they are obviously at the forefront. They are way the hell in front of me. Uh, with respect to what's going on with music and value for value. Um, Sam has just such a great history uh, in the industry, but more importantly, he's got a hell of a big heart. And his head and his heart are absolutely in the right place with respect to where Wave Lake is going. Open mic, I can't say enough about open mic either. You know, um, everything that he did in setting up those shows uh, in Minneapolis in December to his work with Toonster to... Uh, his work with uh, Noster and just being uh, a Bitcoin evangelist and just being underneath the radar. And as far as independent musicians go, my God, you can't have a better friend than this dude, right? I mean, the guy works for independent venues, right? So you're going to hear this conversation between the three of us and you're going to hear planes flying overhead uh, on approach into the Phoenix airport. Uh, We kind of rushed in and di- and uh, and rushed out but I want to thank uh, Sam for hosting us and letting us come in and, and bum rush his office and make a quick recording before we all had to head out uh, so this is a fun conversation with me Mike and Sam and um, I really hope you guys enjoy it uh, I love these guys dearly I love where this movement is going and I'm so thankful for it so here is myself Sam from Wave Lake and open mic talking about not only the event this past weekend, but uh, value for value and the music industry. Here we go. All right. Welcome to the Phantom Power Business Hour. It is Sunday, the 18th of February, and we are in Phoenix. And I am really lucky to be joined by Sam Means from Wave Lake and open mic from First Avenue. Um, and we had a great day yesterday here at Noster. Uh, Noster, what did they call it? What'd you get? Culture shock. Culture shock. Yeah, God, I'm getting old. I forget things that were. I was staring at. It was a little bit. Of, <clears throat> it was a little bit of an obscure title, but that was the point. It was a really marvelous event. It was so fun. It it went off without a hitch. Everyone everyone did great. Yeah, Sarah Jade was there. She played some music, and it was incredible. Yeah, nice 
nice little set. Had you and I, and Sam, had a nice conversation, and and uh, was fortunate enough to interview Sarah for a couple of minutes. And Mike, I loved hearing what what you were talking about yesterday with Sam with respect to the industry. And um, it, you know, I we, we've got a little bit of time. I know because you, Mike, you got to get on a flight here, um, and this podcast is going to go up tomorrow, Monday. But um, I wanted to jump in just r- real quick and kind of continue the conversation that you guys were having with respect to the state of the entertainment industry today with respect to labels and ticket agencies and things of that nature. Um, how far off, how many years behind do you guys think um, companies like Live Nation and UMG and whatnot, how, how many years away from adaptation of Bitcoin and Noster and RSS, how, how many years how many years away are they do you think uh i'm well i'm not sure if these types of companies will ever get there um agreed i just look at the past i mean we were talking about a little bit like you know i'm old enough now to have seen some cycles and how the tech industries have worked and booms have worked and um, tech giants have been tech giants and then have sold for nothing like aol or you know, yeah. just, I mean, all these different things you think of how, like how powerful AOL was for such a long period oh of time. God, and if yeah. we were having this conversation, be like, when is AOL going to have, going to introduce Bitcoin and Oster? And then, you know, fast forward and AOL pretty much just exists in my dad's email address or something at this point now, I don't think there's much to it. So yeah. I think what will probably what will happen is just companies will start up use, utilizing this technology. They'll grow, they'll surpass and they'll probably do what typically happens and kind of gobble up the old stuff or if the old or, or some of these companies are smart, maybe they'll, you know, I think some will probably buy these companies to kill them. Some will buy them to merge with them to take some of their technology. But I don't think anyone will just simply adopt it um, in this current world because it, by design, it takes away a lot of their ability to manipulate the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't have a, visibility into the workings of organizations like that we're just we're a venue and a promoter but i just don't see any world where the incentives line up like why yeah why would you want to take on something that improves transparency visibility um when you have the benefit of your own ecosystem that everybody has to play in yeah that's i hadn't thought of it I hadn't thought of it like that. I mean, you think about ticketing, right? Like one of the, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that are interesting as a promoter. You know, we announce shows, we put them on sale. We actually sell the tickets and we collect the money. Um, as a band, Sam, you know, this, like one of the, one of the holy grails of, of going to going on tour is getting to connect with your fans and you don't get any of the ticket contact information for your people who buy tickets to go to your show in all these cities you don't get you don't get the email lists you don't get the names you don't get the addresses um sometimes if you ask nicely yeah yeah (laughs) but But typically no (laughs) but they're they're pretty protected yeah um and that's just that's that's just an example of 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 something that um why why would they why would they change that? Like, what's what's the incentive? And and the same same thing for, you know, you put all the tickets on sale. Sam wants to play a show. 
he he agrees with the venue that it's going to be a $20 ticket. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if that ticket gets scalped three times up to $80. Um, but if you had some of this technology, like if, if you could picture a ticketing system on Bitcoin where it's a public blockchain, um, you would actually be able to watch that ticket go from ticket master to customer. And then you would know if that customer was a reseller. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I got pretty fascinated with this and unfortunately it was all, um, altcoin chains that were talking about it a few years ago in the last bull market. But, um, there were, there were plenty of people talking about, um, ways to make royalty overrides, you know, and, you know, transfer when you transfer that ticket to another buyer it would go back to the creator yeah but it you know ultimately i I just haven't seen a good solution and i just i can't see a world where some of these centralized big players would ever want that like why would they why would why would they want to show how many times a ticket was transferred they benefit from that murkiness yeah the point you made yesterday that i wasn't aware of which is public knowledge because you can find it on the internet, but how these major ticketing companies own the secondary market as well. That's right. And that they are their own scalpers. They can be. They, yeah, they, they can be. Yeah, they, right. they can. They, Nothing's they, stopping them other than the law, which if, doesn't typically stop correct. in that world. Correct. Yeah. When you have enough money to pay the fines, and the, and the fines just, are less than the money you're making on the scalping, then who cares? You just work it into yeah. the business model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of your line items of loss. <laughs> Same as the banks, right? We know that from Bitcoin. Well, and it's just, and it's stunning because I don't think people really know, you know, the the younger artists, um, they have no clue how just deep the, for lack of a better word, corruption is. Yeah. Um, And and the layers of protection. I mean, they, I think so many young artists, they get into this because they love the art, they love the expression, they love the feeling of playing in a band for the first time, but they don't, they don't realize that, you know, if you don't, you know, I, I, I think hustle and business sense uh, in many respects are more important than your ability to craft a song. And I hate to say that, but, um, I, you know, you see the bands with, with great hustle and great work ethic rise to the top where the brilliant ones, you know, we all have friends who are freaking brilliant. And you're like, why in the hell are you not out on tour? And, you know, yeah. they, don't have, they don't have drive. They don't have, you know. I've seen that so many times in my life. Yeah. Yeah. The, hus- the, the need to hustle has always been there, but it's just the amount, the the amount of obligations that you have and the things that you have to keep track of the stress of just maintaining all these channels is, is what's changed a lot. There's just, there's too many options, you know, and it's hard to, it's hard to know where to start. It's like looking at a pile of, you know, things you have to, I, I always use this analogy of like when you're, when you're moving, you move all the big stuff first and the furniture and it's all out, but, and that takes not that long, but then, you just get like the knickknacks and stuff and that takes forever and you hate it. And you're just looking at it. You're like, how am I going to get all this? Yeah. But you know, the reality of it is you just have to, you just have to do something. You start somewhere. And that's what I always tell people with like trying to navigate in this world right now. Cause it is so difficult. It's like, just do something. As long as you're making music um, that you're passionate about, you will achieve some level of success. It may not be commercial success, but if you're able to do it, you'll be fulfilled by you know if you're if you're able to stick with your ethics and stick with the way that you want to do it then in the at, at the absolute least you'll be happy with that you were able to make music and you didn't have to sacrifice um, some part of you for this 
this this hustle system that we all have to be a part of. I, I mean, I want on that last note too. I wanted to say, I think, or what I hope is more likely is that um, artists this this stuff will artists will enable artists to be able to do th- these things on their own or yeah. with less friction than they have now. You know, just like they can record in their basement or they can distribute globally the push of a button and you know 19 bucks on TuneCore or something or now on wavelake or or value for, or any value for value system you can just get this stuff distributed everywhere so much easier than you could you know 10 or 20 years ago yeah and i think things like that that type of stuff i think will continue to evolve and that will evolve into ticketing and and it'll be it'll be great for venues. It'll be great for promoters. It'll be great for these things too, because it'll establish more. I think it'll just change the rules a little bit. It's going to take some getting used to, but I think it will establish a better connection between those two parties. And I mean, I even know the hustle of being a a promoter. I was one myself for years um, here in Phoenix and it's a tough, I mean, like you said last yesterday, we're a busy bar and that's, that could not be more true. That is, that is the thing. Everyone thinks promoters are, and some are, you know, some like Live Nation, some promoters are making money hand over fist, but the ind- independent promoter, it's a struggle. You have a good sold out show here and then, you know, your Thrill Kill Colt show in, in New Mexico tanks and you lose $15,000 or something. And it, that balance is crazy and it's hard to keep up with. And so it's, it's just as much of a hustle for these guys than it is for the artists in a lot of, sen- in a lot of sense. So yeah. I, I just hope to see things that will make those connections stronger and less, um, I don't know, less, uh, mysterious, you know, cause it, it's hard to know when you, when you put in an offer, you're sort of taking a gamble. Concert promotion is at its core gambling and you're just putting faith in this artist. That this artist is going to do what you need them to do to, to fill the, to fill the room. Yeah. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And a lot of times the venues and the promoters don't get the recognition on the loss, you know, they just kind of take the shit for the wins sometimes in the, in that world. So I don't know. I hope that stuff, I hope that bond just gets stronger because live music isn't going anywhere and it needs, it needs a little bit of a, of a overhaul as well. Yeah. I think it's important too, for these young artists that are getting into this and, and we always, you know, we, I, 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 we strategize about how to get more people into this space it's so important so many so many artists are just fixated on the goal of i just want to you know i want to play the major arenas i want to play stadiums i want to and they don't pay attention to the journey yeah and they don't pay attention to the signs along the journey you know because if 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 they're not paying attention to the journey they're going to miss out on opportunities like value for value bitcoin wave like yeah, like you know, live streaming over RSS and Noster, things like that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, when I was when I was coming up, like you, there were two paths you could take if you were, you know, on had any kind of momentum. Like you could sign to a a label, an indie label, or a major label, or something. Um, and there was a big thing with selling out. That was a thing in like the punk scene. Like, oh, that band sold out. They yeah. sold. They signed a deal with MCA or something, and now everyone's talking trash. And now they're on the radio and they suck now. Um, but it was true like most of those bands that that did take that shortcut ended up kind of falling falling off a bit like maybe some are coming back now through this nostalgia stuff like we were talking about festivals yeah are coming back and everyone's just like attention spans for festivals are getting ridiculous there's like 700 band bills um but most of those bands 
would kind of drop off, but the bands that would just get on the road and stay on the road and build that core all around the country and, and then maybe got lucky enough to travel over the UK or something or, or further, um, those were the ones that really had the staying power, like bands like Jimmy World from Phoenix here. They're just like um, the perfect example of the road dog, like touring guys who have been able to sustain a career off of touring. And they just caught that at the right time. Whereas now uh, you can't do that. It's almost impossible to, to, to get on the road and do that because you, you're not making enough money anywhere else. You can't sell enough CDs on the road to get gas from one town to the next, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that will even be, be fixed and it won't be some technology necessarily fixing that. It's just if artists are able to, to make money again <laughs> through their music, to support that idea, then they'll be able to get back on, out on the road. And if the exchanges that are happening on the road are better, maybe there's live streaming and maybe there's uh, sat flow happening there too. And now, now they have this whole other monetization stream that's coming in that's allowing them to build and develop like they truly need to and can have that real, because there's nothing like a, an online fan connection is great, but there's nothing like that person to person connection. You know, when you're on stage and you're watching your favorite band or you know what I mean? Um, or for both, for both sides, it is, it is an incredible feeling if you're in the crowd, it's an incredible feeling if you're on the stage and I don't think anything can replicate that. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see, like we, we've seen some really great success with live stream sats coming in for shows like yesterday, Sarah pulled in 1.2, 1.3. I mean, that's a nice little take, you know, for an hour set and good for them for doing it, you know? Yeah. we got to update those numbers too. There's a little extra that came in after the fact. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. But I, I, it's going to be interesting <clears throat> because I I completely agree with you, Sam. There's there's nothing like a live show. Yeah. And and I don't and and I think people might kind of step away from doing from you know V for V like tipping on every live show. Um. So somehow the interaction, like if there's some customized content from these artists coming over into you know via Noster or something like that, like that might be another revenue stream something that's different than than just hey here's them playing a gig yeah you know it's gonna be i don't know if you have any thoughts on that mike i think but i think something could something could pop up i i just think you know kind of like what you and i were talking privately when the pandemic hit and the live streams went batshit crazy and Mm -hmm. then they kind of died off yeah i think we we had so much momentum with the um you know the empathy like everybody everybody went to their local coffee shop and went out of their way to spend more money on things that they really appreciated during the pandemic. And that was my interpretation of the live stream phenomenon. Like, yeah, it, Sam nailed it. Like there's nothing that's going to replace the in-person experience and the energy of the room and the, the curation of a live concert. But you know, if you, if you can't catch your favorite band and you want to go out of your way to support them, you know, even a live stream, if you put it out there for free value for value, you know, generating 20 bucks, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, like it does add up. Like the, I always tell people, if you really love this band and you want to support them, um, hit up the merch table like that. That often is like the thing that tips the scale for making it worthwhile to go on tour and play these 100 200 person show tours because mm-hmm. you're not making it at the door 
if you have a band of any, um, you know, multiple people, if you have four people in the band and a tour manager, like, just do the math on a hotel and meals and. Oh man. Yeah, dude. I when I my my band it was two of us and then we were paying everyone else mm -hmm. on salary so it was oh. like a, a six-piece band that needed needed mm -hmm. to get paid weekly yeah sound guy as you know you're you're going in a van as long as you can but then a van's mm -hmm. only so big yeah yeah that weekly nut gets a little crazy after a while merch is merch is a huge a huge part of it mm -hmm. what do you guys think um you know aside from um telling bands about this opportunity with v for v and wave lake and whatnot and you know and telling and then telling people who hold bitcoin to get a you know to open up fountain to open up wave lake and transfer some sats over and start you know v for being into these bands what else can we do to bring more people into this space aside from just telling indie bands and telling Bitcoin holders about V for V, like what else can we do? I mean, my take on it is just, it's really no different than any business I've ever been a part of or any, or even the bands or what we were just talking about. Like you have to develop a strong foundation, whether you're an artist on the road looking to have a sustainable career or you have a, a, a business in music or you have a business anywhere, you know, you have to, it's, I don't think it's any different. Um, taking shortcuts, I don't think is an option here. And I think everything is primed right now. The writing is on the wall. We know that we've said this a thousand times in the last few days, you know, everything is, is bleak, not only in the music industry, but just in the world, the world's crazy. And, and, and everyone's sort of expecting, um, where everyone I, I feel like is anticipating something is going to have to shift because it's just everything's starting to boil over. Yeah. Um, for this stuff specifically, just because that's what we're talking about, I think it's just as important, you know, just to continue to try to get people to build stuff. That's that's my main focus. It's why we're doing things the way we're doing them at, at Wave Lake because it's all open, you know. So we're we're trying to create a place where people can can come, but even more so, like a lot of people. Michael says this all the time. People think of us as like a. a a business for the consumer, like a retail business, but we're not, we're really a business for the business. We want other people to be building stuff on top of this. We want people to be building charts, building various apps, building, uh, even replicating, um, the onboarding tools that we have. All this stuff is open source and anybody can do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most important thing. And some people get hung up on it cause there's it, this technology is so new and it's happening so fast you don't want to do it too fast. You want to make sure that you're carefully crafting this or else we're going to miss our opportunity for this, this perfect moment in time where everything, all the stars are aligning and everything is pointing towards, you have to change something and we have to do it right. Or else some, you know, that Ethereum conference you went to some shitcoin thing is going to come in and just it's, I mean, it's, it's inevitable, but the timing is, I think the timing is right. So like we're going into a good cycle and if we can do things right, if we can act accordingly and get things organized in a way and get this community strong enough and supporting each other all across, all around, <laughs> all across the board. Yeah. Um, I think we'll have a really good chance at breaking through that shitcoin wall that we saw in 2017 when I, or two, you know, in the last cycle 
2020 and 21, um, where all the bands that I work with were talking to me about NFTs. And I was just realizing, I was just having this, you know, epiphany of like, oh man, you're talking about this. You think this is going to happen. This is actually the answer right here. It's just, mm-hmm. I can't tell you about it yet because there's nothing there yet. It's mm-hmm. just an idea. And here we are, you know, three years later and moving into this next cycle and the stuff is actually here now. So yeah. we do have that opportunity. It might take another cycle. It might take another few years. And I think the timing will, if, if we don't take a shortcut, I think the timing will prove itself right. And this, or, this will just happen organically. Cause I think that's the only way it's, it's going to happen and be successful if, it, if it's purely an organic uh, path. Yeah, I have a lot of respect listening to you and Michael. It's been great to see you guys, or meet Michael for the first time and see you again since first since July, since we saw yeah. each other. But the methodology and the patience that you guys are going about in building Wavelake and recognizing that we really, you guys really only have one chance to get this right. Yeah. Um, and, and just hanging out with you and being in your studio and everything, I, I get it. I absolutely get it. Well, it's, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying, man. It's, it's, and the reason we have to be so patient is because it's not like there's, I, I just don't know if there's anybody who is trying to do this right now in an organized way for mainstream adoption. Yeah. And I'm afraid that if we, if it's not us, because I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly biased to say this, but we, we're trustworthy people, <laughs> you know, like we're actually, we are actually doing this for the right reasons, whatever. I mean, that some people may not think that and that's totally fine, but I absolutely do believe you guys are doing this for the right reasons. We, we truly are. We're, we are yeah. genuine people. And I can say that, um, you know, I, I have no, no trouble saying that I have, uh, a lot of trouble giving myself compliments for anything else. But if there's one thing I can say about myself is I am, I am genuine and I, I do want to see this happen. And I am afraid that if, if we don't, if we can't organize enough people who truly believe that this can happen as well, then someone who isn't genuine <laughs> is likely to come in and just delay this, like I was just saying. And that's, that's, that's my fear. That's my only fear, you know, but is because that can also be patience can also be a downfall. You know, if we, we might be too patient and we might miss an opportunity and that might, Mm -hmm. that might cause us to have to go into the next thing. But what we're not going to do is stop, you know? So ultimately the, I think it's going to succeed, but well, that's the same thing in many respects that I was saying earlier about paying attention to the journey. You know, don't, you know, we, we can't, we cannot afford to just be focused on the goal. Right. Yeah. You know, because we're going to miss an opportunity to, you know, like my, you know, like when you reached out and, offered to do that sh- you know put together that show for Ainsley and just loud mm-hmm. like well and that that piggybacking on what sam was saying about um the long game and participating and doing things deliberately mm-hmm. mindfully intentionally um i i couldn't agree more like i got i got approached so many times i mean actually how it all happened is i i've been very private about my you know bitcoin and you know all of this i I just don't i don't cross pollinate much professionally Mm -hmm. um previously like in previous cycles and what actually happened is during the pandemic um we got approached by an s coiner and they were going to go out 
uh, it was well, perfectly well intended, but it was it was a um, a fundraiser NFT. So we, they were issuing NFTs to all of the Neva members. Neva being the National Independent Venue Association, and we ended up selling a First Avenue NFT for twenty grand, just as you know, wow. total philanthropy, right? Like yeah, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't like a um, speculative NFT. It was it was known that it was a fundraiser. But actually, uh, Tuvlu, the artist from Sweden, bought it. Um, really? Yeah, pretty cool. Um, she's played a bunch of our, most of our rooms, actually. But, um, but yeah, this, this company reached out, and that's, that's when I outed myself. Like, you know, they approached, <laughs> they approached our owner, and I was like, hold on, time out. Like, I need to tell you that I know what's going on here. Like, let me do some diligence on this. Yeah. And, um, but we had point being is we had we'd been approached by a lot of people who wanted to you know monetize and and that's just such a that you know that cycle and the nfts it's just so transactional it's just gross it's not it's not a, like a a long value add to the industry to just sell digital widgets and flip you know speculative yeah digital assets but um you know the the long game you know when i when i launched tunester you know sam nailed it it's like this is all open source like i don't know what the hell i'm doing like i just who does i just took <laughs> you know i i took a flyer on i mean i know what we have in real life we have amazing venues and great relationships and a lot of bands we have a lot of touch points we have 1200 shows which means 2500 bands yeah that i get to interact with a year yeah and you know i just i just knew that if we could somehow communicate what's going on at the ground level to some of these people maybe somebody like ainsley or just loud or sarah jade would take you know take notice of it yeah well that shows that shows your patience and i had very similar experiences with because i as you guys know, we're sitting in this merch warehouse right now and I had, I can't even tell you how many managers approach me knowing that I was into something in this, you know, they've caught on to something like I've been also a little vague, but enough that people have, have seen some things out there. And, um, that's, what's cool about it. Cause we're sort of, I mean, this is a little over dramatic, but we're kind of like this little silent army waiting to help, you know, we're just here, um, yeah. like a rescue crew, actually maybe a better way to put it. And so when these things come up, you can actually, you're just sort of there to protect them from making a mistake. That's how I, that's how I felt about it. I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to help you with this. Yeah. And in like two or three years, you're going to see why. And that's, you're actually going to, I know you're probably going to be pissed and you're probably going to go do it anyway with, with someone else's help. But when you get screwed over or the band gets screwed over or the fans get screwed over, you're going to remember this conversation and you're going to come back to me and I'm going to actually give you the answer mm -hmm. because by the time you figure that out, there will be something much better for you to do. There's just, it's not there right now. It's not mm -hmm. worth it for me to explain it to you right now, but that's, that's what we need to be doing. We need to just be, um, you know, just preparing for when these, when these artists need help and we're all going to be, I mean, I think all three of us, um, you know, Jim, you and I have talked about it a lot. It's like, you're, very actively and very successfully finding your place in the space in an incredibly short period of time. 
trying to who the hell knows where these podcasts yeah. will take me right now. but that but I, I i always tell you they will take yeah. you somewhere and i'm a firm believer of that that's how my entire life has worked it's Thank just you. like if you just just do the thing that you are passionate about you will find your place eventually and and uh with this in particular i think we're all going to be very helpful to a lot of people yeah because we're taking the time we have the patience to learn what we need to learn we're making mistakes that will need to be made so that we can help people avoid them, avoid them yeah. cut corners get there faster um and get there and it because it is so delicate when you're dealing with when you're dealing with a, a band you're not just dealing with the band you're dealing with their entire audience you're dealing with an entire career you're de you're dealing with their emotion like their their soul <laughs> who, who they are yeah you know because music is such a powerful thing it's like you have to think of it like I cannot, this person is like pouring their heart out as a musician. Am I going to try to get them to sell an NFT you know, like, and rip yeah. off all their fans? It's, it would be crazy. And that could be something that could be so disruptive in the, in the path of an artist's career. We'd never want to participate that. So if we could in that, so if we could do exactly the opposite and use this technology to help them engage better and, and, I, I hate talking about money, but it is such an important part of an artist's career because they have none. Yeah. You know, starving artists need money, just the way it is. Um, so if we can help with all that stuff in hopefully the near future, um, I think, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's one thing I'm, it's, I'm so, it's, it's why I'm here. It's why even after I have this, you know, I've had this business that, that we're, this room we're sitting in for 16 years, I'm ready to just kind of like figure out how to, make music again and just have fun. But then I find out about this stuff mm -hmm. and I have to just jump right back in and use all of my experience in that world to, to try to help Michael and get this thing yeah. where it needs to be. And it's only the only reason I'm doing it is because I, I feel I'm equipped to help in some capacity. And I think that the same goes for you guys. I think that's why we're sitting mm -hmm. here today. Yeah. yeah. Coming back to your original question of, know what what can people do and what is the um you know what is the path and and talking about being very slow and in a long game and i i think one of the th you know one of the observations that i had um you know tunester nobody knew about it until december it was just in my head it's been in my head for years i just don't know how to code and i'm not a dev mm -hmm. um but uh, yesterday at, at Culture Shock, it was kind of funny for me to, to be treated like a builder, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. and, and like some people from the Noster community came up to me and he's like, I just want to help, you know, help the Toonster team as much as I can. And I was kind of giggling to myself. I was like, the Toonster team is here. Like, <laughs> there's no team. And, and so I just want to, you know, I want to encourage, you know, what Sam said is right. Like the, it's all open source. Yeah. And for a really long time, I sat on the sidelines and, and watched things happen and thought like, man, we are the leader in independent music. And this is, independent money and independent everything it just lines up so perfect but i just don't know what to do i'm not i don't have i don't have money to hire a developer and do all this stuff and um you with an open source community people want to help yeah and i 
there's really no magic to what I did. I just showed up and started asking a bunch of questions and told my story and said what I could contribute. And then Kieran, you know, helped me fork zap.stream, uh, Carnage and built my website. Is that where Carnage is? Yeah. I have no Doxed. <laughs> just kidding. He, he's open. <laughs> It's so funny, like, I, I'm still putting, like, I seriously had to put together a list at home of, like, all right, who is this guy, and who is, yeah, you know, and, like, who, who and, a like, lot of characters my, in this show. Yeah. My, my, my fake, the, like, the fake name that I use as an example is, like, all right, who is Sir Underpants of Florida? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because there's, you know, Sir Libre and Sir Spencer and all these folks, and I, like, I literally had to, had to start at a Word document so I could mm -hmm. re remember who they are. Sorry, keep but, going. Yeah, but everybody just... You know, I feel like I, I was just a coordinator. I didn't actually do the work. You know? yeah. Like, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to yeah. do the work to be a builder yeah. at all. You, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, you, you, you did, Jim, didn't you say you used to be a general contractor? Yeah. Yeah, you probably weren't, maybe you weren't hammering the, the roof on. Maybe you were sometimes, but right. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that help in a project and you need, uh, you need all these assets in building a project. It's not just like doing the the coding. It's it's the vision. It's the having the patience. It's having the idea. It's simply mm -hmm. just being available. Is it's what I've learned. I've been interested in this for ten years now, and I was always just like, I'm here, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know. And then eventually, and then someday something clicks, and you figure out, oh, here's my like my door just opened, so now I can walk through it now. I have more clarity, but mm. it just goes back to that. I guess the theme of the show is patience because it just goes back mm. to that. You have to have patience. Yeah. You can't like brute force your way into this Bitcoin space. Mm -hmm. You have to wait until your number comes up and you're like, okay, cool. I'm good now. Yeah. There, there's no shortcut for anyone. Not, and that, that's why we're building value. It's yeah. NFTs and all that garbage seem like a shortcut. You just get rich quick. Um, you know, there's, you can't, fake it you, you got to just take the long game and um and build i have studied nfts a bit and i had a and i and i had a great artist on the business hour like three or four weeks ago uh, violetta zeroni um she's from italy she lives in nashville she is full-time musician full-time nft like she is making it work yeah she's got a good good support base around her um and and i love her voice i love her writing she's kind of like um diana crawl and katie malua out of the uk um and it's it's a it's a fascinating thing and she's starting to move over towards bitcoin and ordinals and i'm very curious as to see where she's going to go yeah mm -hmm. you know i mean she's she's had like a million dollars uh, a million dollar sales in the secondary market with their NFTs, and I'm I'm just stunned, you know, and not not in a bad way. I'm just I'm thrilled for her, but I still don't. As much as I understand NFTs, I also don't understand NFTs, you know. Um, yeah. But I do. Th but I do think at my core, only being eight months into this, Bitcoin and value for value, and just that direct exchange is so much more pure. And so much simpler. Yeah, you I know? think I think yeah. I ha I have a, 
a somewhat complicated take on ordinals and all that stuff. I mean, but at, at the very, in the most simple way, you can't tell anybody what to do with, with Bitcoin. That's the whole point. Yeah. Um, you may not agree with ordinals, but if they're available to do through the, the consensus of the network has enabled that to happen, um, that's just a, that's a repercussion of, of the way this works, which is how this works. And the, yeah. the beautiful thing about it is if enough people don't like that or if it's causing congestion, which was one of the early fears of it, um, then just change it. You know, you just, you get, mm -hmm. you get a majority vote and you just change it and you change, you change the rules or people fork off and do other things and they, they have an ordinals chain or something and then Bitcoin just continues to be Bitcoin. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is, um, you know, Bitcoin for everyone, Bitcoin scaling globally, it's going to need to be able to serve every single person in every single way, just like any other mm. transactional <laughs> currency works. You have to have money for good things and you have to have money for bad things. You have to have money for um, virtuous things and you have to have money for scams. You just do, you know, it's just the way, it's just the, the way the world's gonna work. Luckily, this will prevent a lot of that stuff from happening in a, in a way that it happens now because a lot of it is out in the open and so it will, but people will still find ways to manipulate Bitcoin. They, and, and even if there was like a blockchain ticketing thing, someone would figure it out, you know? Yeah, someone will figure it out and they'll yeah. figure out a way to manipulate it and then um, someone will figure out how to fix it <laughs> and then someone will figure out how to manipulate that. But at the end of the day, I mean, with that, with that stuff, I would, especially for an artist, even though I don't agree with it and I would always try to tell people to move away from that stuff and focus on their art. If that is her art, then who am I to say <laughs> what to do or not do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's how I feel about it. And, and all these, and I, I'm happy. I'm of the opinion that it's much better. I'd much rather have that stuff on Bitcoin actually than anywhere else, because at least Bitcoin is the, is the, um, is the much better product for people. Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's decentralized. And so they're not going to be able to be scammed as easily. They're not going to be able to just spin these tokens up in the way that they could in these, in these centralized, um, you know, tokens and coins and things and bring in celebrities to do, I mean, they'll, ha they'll have ways to do that still, I would imagine, but just not, not as, um, I don't know, not as horribly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not anti NFT. I just don't care, right? Like it's yeah. right, and that's it's, fine. It's, you don't have to care, and I don't either. Like, yeah, we don't care. But someone, if someone does, and that's their art, and that's the way they want to, that's the way they want to distribute it. Then, yeah. And I, yeah, I shouldn't say I don't care. I just, I, I think that, you know, I was I was a huge baseball card collector when I was a kid. Yeah, and that, so I actually you know like during the last bull market i have some nfts like nas released an album and it was kind of a at the time it felt like a cool concept it was you get a share of his royalties on that song it was like buying a share of stock in his song not not enforceable legally at all and you know yeah. it was on a you know now that you know more about the the chain that it was on um you know, if that ever became really valuable, you don't want to store your value in something that's not decentralized with proof of proof of work. And that that's my problem with NFTs, uh, among others. But like, 
Yeah. If one of these things got to be really valuable, why do you want to have it on an insecure platform? Like, yeah, exactly. That's an, like, and that's what I mean. It's like, wouldn't you prefer it to be on an ordinal? Right. Just because at least you know it's on, at least you know where it is, you know? And yeah. it just, it just creates, um, you know, there are tons of good faith actors in those other ecosystems. But when you're in a system that isn't bulletproof on security and has made those trade-offs that Bitcoin refused to make, it just creates another level of due diligence that isn't necessary. Like, I don't want to figure out if this project's a scam or this one's not. And I don't want to trust you if your project's a scam or not. And, yeah. you know, it just it's just not necessary if you use Bitcoin. Kind of along that line of NFTs and, you know, we were talking earlier about labels a little bit and venues a little bit. I had coffee a couple weeks ago with a songwriter friend in Nashville and, and I was telling him about value for value in Bitcoin and 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 he's one of those folks that immediately goes back to the PRO and to uh, the publishing house right yep and he had said that last summer just about every writer in Nashville that he knew that had a pub deal had to resign because web3 and NFTs were not in the language specifically related to the term known universe. Yeah. And so everybody was having to, everybody who was signed to a, you know, significant pub deal had to go back and re-sign. Um, because all of these artists had been making a boatload of money on NFTs outside of the scope of the, of the pub deal and the PRO. Mm. Um, and they were trying to come around and get their money. And I yeah. think that, and, and I was, fa and Not I was surprised. fascinated to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. We filed all of our first Avenue is iconic, um, logos and everything. We, we, we refiled all of our IP. Okay. For the same, you know, protections yeah. in the whatever metaverse or, you know, web three, but like, yeah, all those use cases, like if somebody wanted to use our likeness or create a first Avenue venue and. Decentraland or one of those yeah. hokey places. Well, think about what Arkanox was talking about yesterday in cyberspace. Yeah. Like someone could go, he was explaining it more at dinner at dinner last night. It was blowing my mind, but about mining for property in cyberspace. It's mm -hmm. like go mine property in Times Square so you could have the advertising uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> revenue in cyberspace in ten years. You know, and the way it works is you can you can't just. It's not like you just go buy. The, the land you have to say that you have to sort of mine in the region and you have to mine a lot and you have to use a lot of power to get mm -hmm. isolated into that one spot you know you have to be lucky <laughs> to get it but yeah it's like maybe i'll go mine over on first ave you know yeah. see if i yeah. can yeah. <laughs> well we got take, the ip for it take yeah. over mike's office <laughs> yeah sam it damn, yeah. damn it sam get out of my office um well that and that kind of leads me to like the the to the last question that i have for you guys i mean i don't necessarily worry of, with respect to independent artists and professionally aspiring artists artists who are emerging like like a joe martin or a man like quex or sarah jade or i you know the band iro or or even ainsley for that matter um i don't necessarily worry about the 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 major labels coming into this world you know um i don't i don't see necessarily how an ASCAP or a BMI or a CSAC is really going to have any sort of significant play if there is a direct relationship 
between the listener and the person giving the sats to the artist like how in the hell is is ASCAP or BMI ever going to jump in there? But I'm, I'm they're going to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, sure. <laughs> they're certainly going to try. And here's the analogy that I'm trying to work on. And my and my lovely wife was like, "Yeah, you need to work on that because you ain't celibate." <laughs> the analogy that I was trying to make is like, if if you own a restaurant, and you you like if I owned a restaurant and you guys came in for dinner, right? And you guys pay the bill, but then out of the corner comes this comes this guy who's like, "Hey, I'm a farmer." I make food, and since you sold food, I deserve a cut of that check between the the, the guys who bought the dinner and the business owner. It's like, well, the, but but the money was was directly in between. Just because you make food, just because you have provide a service that adds to the service in general. Yeah, I, I'm still working on the analogy. Like it's a terrible mm-hmm. analogy, but I, I don't know how the hell they're going to slip what? themselves into it. They'll try, um, but I mean, I th- I'm worried. I'm not even worried about them, to be honest. Um, no, I'm not either. I, I think there will be some fights, and I think they'll win some. And I think, but I think they'll ultimately, if if this all works, and obviously I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think it stood a very strong chance. But um, everybody's going to want a piece of this. Yeah, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. everybody's going to. I mean, I'm sure you've even seen it. Um, just in the eight months, it's like you get any. It's just the way these things always work. It doesn't even have to be in this space. But like, someone sees success. And all of a sudden, people just come flocking, wanting to attach to it in some way, and wanting to get their hand in it somehow, and wanting to get a piece of piece of something. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of people who do that are genuine as well in their excitement because a lot of people have been waiting for something like this to happen, and a lot of those, a lot, a lot of that stuff will turn into cool projects. You know, it's like because those people have also just been waiting at their doors to walk in, and so they see something like Ainsley having success or they watch a stream on Toonster or something and they're just like, whoa, and it clicks for them. And then they, they just will approach and be like, I'm here. What can I do? What can I help? What can I help with? But a lot of, a lot of those people will, um, will just be looking to make a buck off of that opportunity. They're just, you know, there's opportunistic people out there, um, that are good and bad. And we're going to be, I think that's what we're actually going to be fighting much more of. Yeah. Like when you saw live streaming and, 2020 and 2021 mm-hmm. we're talking about it last night it was like almost like these all these live streaming companies were already pre-packaged and ready to go it was just like where did these companies <laughs> yeah. like 12 fully yeah. branded yeah. established startups yeah. that like se- seemingly got funded overnight and had yeah. like 20 employees it's like what the hell like That's where did exactly this right. how did this happen it was like it literally was like they knew that this was gonna happen or something is so crazy because mm-hmm. i my first thought like the second week of march i was like that's how i learned how to do obs that's the only reason i even know how to do it because i'm like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to live stream so like apparently everybody was having that exact same thought because Mm -hmm. within a week i was like no we're not because like 10 companies just came out of nowhere um but yeah i think but that was a that was a moment where being in the music business and working directly with artists i mean there were like wolves at every corner just waiting to take a, a a piece of something it's like oh these guys are making money doing live streams on instagram and they're selling merch and they're they're fundraising and they're doing these big charitable events we need a piece of that you know and it's kind of gross but mm-hmm. at the same time it a lot of those companies did end up helping bands make some money and get through that that time you know so yeah. well we're so here's my last question because mike i know you got to get on a flight and go back home to the cold or <laughs> 
All right, so it is February 18th, 2026. It's two years from now. Let's hear, let's, uh, I, I, let's hear your projections. Where are we? Two years from now, and I'm going to put a note in my calendar to go back and if I'm alive, <laughs> good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, right? Two years from now, I'll go back and listen to this. Like, what, what, where are we two years from now with respect to anything in this genre, like price of Bitcoin, value for value, gigs, Wave Lake, RSS. What do you feel really strongly about where we are two years from now? Mike. 2026. I mean, I... I'm a Bitcoiner because I'm, you know, I, I, I think it makes me feel safe, right? And Sam spoke about how uncertain the world feels right now. And so when you ask me about 2026, it's not all, it's not all roses and unicorns, right? But uh, <laughs> all the national parks have been turned into parking lots. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, unfortunately, I think a lot of these, you know, we sit here and talk about censorship resistance, hard money. Um, all of the protections and value that we see in Bitcoin and the adjacent communities. Um, unfortunately, you know, the majority of people are perfectly fine um, sacrificing pri privacy and security for convenience. And I think a lot of these things really take off in dark times, right? So like, there could be a weird kind of... Uh, good and bad when like Bitcoin becomes really mainstream it might not be a great you know might not be a great function for a lot of people um, like some bad things in the world might be going on with our monetary systems but you know as Bitcoin grows and more people become aware of it these things in music are going to be more exposed you know when the price goes up you know you're going to start getting those texts from your friends who want to know about Bitcoin and then when when Bitcoin goes up, maybe these musicians will listen to me and say, yeah, I want, I want to do that thing that you were doing in 2024. Yeah. I want to do that thing now. I'm ready now. Yeah, I, I want, even if they just want that hard money, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like they might not care about the stream, you know? But it, it's, yeah. I think, I, I really do think even this fall, I think you're going to hear people talking about it on the campaign trail. I think you're going mm -hmm. to hear about more and more the more politicians talk about it in a negative sense, everything's good for Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, it really, yeah. like, I, I kind of like, I come to that conclusion of, uh, you know, if people are trying to shut it down, more people are going to want it. Yeah. And um, I, I just think it's going to be in 2026, I think it's going to be right there in your face. And, um, and hopefully, you know we will we will have played the long game in music and set that foundation for when the floodgates open we'll be ready to you know have tunester going multiple times a day and wave lake will have mainstream artists because it, it really could just be a gradually then suddenly moment where yeah some major artist has a success and you know we saw Ainsley Costello just getting the million sat song you know that could be like your your first bull run of Wave Lake <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well one of the things I think that will happen within two years or two years from now is on Wave Lake you will have multiple people every month 
getting uh, a million sats a song. Oh yeah. That's one mm -hmm. of the things I think will happen. Unless and the that sets be, are like. And that would be worth so much more. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the other so, thing, and I want to get to your predictions, but here's, here's, here's a couple of my hard predictions. One is I, I think you'll have multiple artists getting a million sats per song per month. I think Bitcoin, I'm not convinced on Bitcoin hitting seven figures, but I, I, I'm pretty comfortable saying 250,000 mm -hmm. in two years, yep. which will lower the amount of streaming sats that we see on Podverse and Podfans and Truefans and things of that nature. But as the value goes up, you know, that's okay. Um, and I think somebody, I, I also think Congress will be paralyzed continuously. I don't think we're going to get through this um, political cycle uh, just because of a, a, a next, uh, you know, the, the next presidential election in nine months. I don't think it's going to change really that much of anything, which is good for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But I do think that, um, and I've said this many times, I do think somebody is going to bust out and go mainstream from the value for value world. And they, and when they go mainstream and they start talking and, and the mainstream press picks up on, hey, where'd you get your start? Where'd you have your first success? And when that artist comes back and says, well, you know what? It really happened over in Bitcoin. Boom. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't know who that artist is going to be. I, maybe that artist does, hasn't even hasn't even hit the, the RSS and, and Noster feeds yet. Well, here's, um, here's my bold prediction then. I'm going to find them. I hope you do. <laughs> I hope you do. Because we've got, you yeah. know, we've got the most. I mean, you most, got the venues for it. Yeah, we've got the most people running through our doors every year. If it just takes one. Yeah. Know. Sam, what are your predictions two years from now? Where yeah, are we I, mean, I think you guys are pretty dead on. I mean, I, I agree. I don't know if we'll quite make it if we're talking uh technical analysis here i don't think we'll quite make it to 250 but i do think we'll get close to two you know we'll definitely be in the six digit territory yeah which is going to be a significant milestone for a lot of people um especially now this number just as this number goes up and up it gets it, it gets less um you're less able to sort of um talk about it going down to zero now it becomes almost impossible you yeah. know whereas like when it was in 2020 when it dipped down to three thousand dollars that was a significant drop from 20 you know, but then if we get to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it drops down to back down to fifty or sixty or eighty or something, that's still kind of hard to argue. <laughs> it's, it's hard to argue at that point. So, yeah, I think the price action will definitely drive in a lot of those aunts and uncles and cousins and neighbors mm -hmm. and friends. Again, like you said, we'll start getting those text messages, and that will. Um, the really cool thing that I've been very um, tapped into is the the builders mark the builders market that we were in in the last three years there have been some incredible infrastructure things put in place in the last three years um that are that will are preparing us for what's about to happen for this next ex next explosion and um a lot of those companies that started in the last three years and have been developing will be solidified and will become bigger companies um and that will pave the way for a whole new uh generation of of, of awesome ideas and innovation that's going to come out of all this stuff. So I think there's going to be a lot of confusion. I would say in two years, I think there will be a lot of confusion because we'll see more people coming in, but just like anything else, like I, the other thing I keep saying, like a lot, a lot of people will come in fast to try to catch the wave of what's happening. Mm -hmm. And when it, when we go back down to the, whatever that the end of that cycle is, I think some people will be sort of confused with how that works. And that's pretty common in these cycles. 
Um, but I think as the cycles continue to progress that it will become more stable. It'll become a more stable thing, you know, because Bitcoin becomes more scarce. Um, the supply becomes more scarce just because we have these ETFs and things buying up the supply every, every day, almost now in the last few weeks. So, I mean, I'm very hopeful for it. I do agree. The world's going to be probably pretty funky <laughs> in two years. I think the financial situation is not going to get, not yeah. going to get better. I think we're going to see some form of like a digital, you know, fed currency or something will, will be there. But, um, I think that all those things will just be more reason for people to want to jump into this. Yeah. Well, my hope, um, I hope in two years, um, I'm still doing podcasts. I'm still doing, I'm still having great conversations like this. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you guys. I've said this to you privately. I'm happy to share it publicly. Um, what you guys have done for my life, for my family's life has been transformative um, since July. It's just been stunning. Um, I cannot thank you guys enough for your friendship and your mentorship and for the opportunities that you've provided and for sending me down this crazy rabbit hole path. Um, we're here to help so, Jim. That's why, that's why we're here. We yeah. want to see, we want to see everybody who's passionate about this be successful and, and find their way. That's, that's what we're doing here. So yeah. happy to happy to be your friend. Right on. And, uh, <laughs> Likewise, <laughs> let's let's check in on these predictions in a couple. Of yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, two years it'll be. Yeah. Let, see who's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah we should. I think I, we're all going to be right. I, I, sh I should repost it. You know, it'll yeah. be. I mean, that means I'm going to have to change the podcast schedule because it'll probably fall on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. <laughs> um, no, it'd be a Wednesday, wouldn't it? Because it'd be two year cycle. I don't know. That's that. That's what we don't have ask me. I don't, yeah. I don't that's know what we have Google that. calendars yeah. for. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank um, you. I'll see you when I see you. Awesome. And uh, Sam, like, man, I wish I could stick around and play some of these cool. Hey, feel free. Cool keyboards and amps you got in this place. But, uh, <laughs> and Michael, safe travels home, brother. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate right. it. Thanks for uh, pressing the buttons for us today, Sam. Yeah, but now let's go see if it actually saved. Okay, <laughs> let's check it out. Well, there you have it. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And if you found yourself fiddling with the volume on your phone, or your podcast player, uh, don't worry about it. That was us. We rushed in, we recorded it, and we rushed out. So uh, I'm here in the studio, and I had to compress the living bejesus out of those files just to get them up to a certain audible level. So that's why you hear all that hiss in the background. Um, I also want to thank Michael Reed um, from Wavelink. I had a lot of fun conversations with him. Saturday night after the event was over, we just sat there and geeked out about uh, music and we were trading record ideas and uh, you know people to listen to. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him as well. Um, thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for all the sats over the, over the past couple weeks. I'll do a recap on those later on in the week. Uh, don't forget, on Wednesday, we'll be back with another Phantom Power Music Hour. And then on Friday, we will do the Phantom Power Music Review. And uh, that'll do it. Um, if you got any questions, reach out to us on Nostra, reach out to us on Telegram, and also on the website, phantompowermusic.io. That'll do it, kids. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>